Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Oh, baby, real-time results coming at you. We got record watches happening uh, across the board. Welcome in to Anna's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on uh, your Friday. It is a big Friday because uh, basically the culmination of high school sports around the state of Montana, the uh, athletic and academic calendar year at the prep level comes to an end this weekend. So right now... Uh, as we sit, state softball started yesterday. State track and field for all classifications and state tennis both start today. So we got real-time results for you from across uh, all high school sports. I've been trying to keep it up, uh, as up-to-date as I possibly can. Uh, Andrew was going to track down some scores as well. Andrew, I, t- I t- just emailed you a couple of the scores. I want to get an update on real-time. If you can look on Twitter, appreciate it. Um and no rush. We'll, we'll get to all of it throughout the next couple hours. Uh, but it's always a fun time of year. It's almost a sort of melancholy time of year because uh, then all the stuff that's happening here in the state of Montana, by and large, is over. Although there is a lot of stuff coming up uh, this summer. We have some fun events that we plan on covering. There's a, a United States Open uh Qualifier, United States Amateur Championship Qualifier, excuse me, uh, at Old Works Golf Course. So we're hoping to head on out to that. We also have some other local tournaments that we'll be involved in in a variety of ways that we'll be broadcasting from. Um, might be coming to you from the road next week as well. Stay tuned for that. But the uh, the Grizzlies wrap it up their state tour at the college level. So uh, it's not as if all is lost. We have a whole bunch of stuff to get to uh, this summer. Missoula Marathon's coming up. Uh, we will have at least a couple, uh, as of right now, college athletes that advance to the um, national championship for collegiate track. So there's a whole bunch of stuff still coming, but it's just always fun. And But also, I don't know, you just you get reflective as the, another year comes to an end. You know, I mean, I've been doing this thing uh, in some form or fashion, covering sports for a living since I was 19 years old. Now I'm sitting here, uh, just turned 36 earlier this month, and... Uh, you know, each year, I think that's what makes sports cool. That's what makes covering sports and like a broad spectrum of sports like we do here uh, at ESPN Radio and at Skyline Sports. Um, it's fun because it's always new. There's always renewal and there's renewal going on right now. We also might even have uh, some broken records as well because uh, there's some outstanding performances going on uh, across high school tracks specifically. So we'll get to all the updates as often as we can here. Uh, and then we're also going to just going to have some fun. Rajim Seabrook uh, riding in studio uh, with me here uh, on your Friday. And uh, 
Good so day. We, yeah, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for being here. Uh, we'll we'll go all the way around the world of sports. Andrew's got some blindside questions prepared for us. Of course, we'll get off topic as much as we possibly can. So we'll give you news briefs and results as much as we possibly can throughout the show in the midst uh, of what we hope is at least uh, interesting and entertaining conversation. So thanks so much for kicking it with us here uh, on your Friday. Basically, the show outlook is we're going to go all the way around the wide world of sports, including with a high priority on the state championships happening here in Montana, uh, but also talk some NFL, some NBA, some youth sports, and maybe what ails it, uh, some upcoming three-on-three in the park. There's a whole bunch of stuff uh, that we got to get to today. So uh, we got to roll. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. You want to stream the show, you always can. ESPN MT app or 1029ESPN.com. Both works uh, perfectly fine. Also, if you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests join us via the Rangage Brothers RV phone line. And uh, as I mentioned, it's a... uh, State Championship Friday. That also means it's a Florence Coffee Company Friday. Raj got uh, got all out over his skis on the Lotuses last time. Wrong move to put <laughs> Lotus in this vessel, baby. But, but then, uh, so I asked him. I said, "Would you prefer Lotus or coffee today?" He says, "Coffee." Uh, but then the the card I gift card I had just Lotuses were allowed and whatever. That's that's the drink of the summer, uh, anyways. So. Um, that's what we're drinking, courtesy of Florida's Coffee. We got some Blue Lotus, and uh, <laughs> we might just take this thing uh, all the way to the moon. Some real-time updates here. First, we'll start with state softball. Missoula Sentinel, uh, the first team uh, from the Garden City to win a couple games there. Uh, they beat Bozeman 10-5, to and then they smashed defending state champion Billing Senior 17-3 to yesterday. Today, in the undefeated quarterfinals, uh, they fall to Kalispell Glacier. Glacier, one of the favorites coming into this tournament. They're the number one seed out of the West. So that's where we're at with that one. And then Helena High in the other undefeated quarterfinal, they beat Billings West, the number one seed out of the East, 2-1. to one. So really good performances thus far by the western side of the state. Big Sky won their opener as well against Belgrade, but then fell to Kalispell Glacier, 7 nothing. Uh, but Big Sky is in a loser-out game. Uh, that just started about 30 minutes ago. So we'll give you an update on that one uh, as well. Um, The other big news, though, and we'll come back to this because I want to analyze this a little bit more a little later on, but the Class B-C softball tournament has been owned by one high school program. That's the Florence uh, Carlton Falcons. There's only been the B-C level of softball in Montana since 2000. So that's 23 years. the 23rd state championship tournament. Florence has won 12 of them. So they've won more than half of the state titles that have even happened at the BC level. But the Falcons go 0-2 going home in this year's uh, Class BC tournament. And uh, Mission Arlie Charlotte, Mac, the team that's the runner-up the last two years to Florence, they also go 0-2. So the two favorites in the BC tournament out of here. So, See ya. So we'll have uh, maybe new champions. At the uh, Class A level, only three teams have won the state championships since 2008. Frenchtown, Polson, and Belgrade. Belgrade's in double-A now, so now it's only Frenchtown and Polson. They also both lost See ya. Uh, yesterday, so they're not out yet. They're in the loser-out bracket, but the, the, a lot of upsets happening uh, around the world of uh, high school softball, so we'll keep you apprised of that. I also mentioned the record watch. Uh One record that was certainly uh, on watch coming into the state track and field championships was the all-class javelin record on the girls' side. Elisa Keller had a season-best throw of 157 feet and one inch last week. Mm. That is the seventh longest throw in the United States of America. If she was going to replicate that uh, at the... uh, the state meet because you got to set the, the state records at the state meet. It's an antiquated rule, but it's a it's a rule. So Keller needed to do that again to get the all class state record. She just misses it. She throws one fifty six three. The all class state record one fifty six eleven. So the second farthest throw in the history of the state of Montana. But that's not to take anything away from this young lady's career at Billings West. She's a two time uh, javelin champion, an unbelievable athlete, and. Uh, I don't know what the news is of where she's going, but I'm telling you right now, if you throw the javelin over 150 feet as a high school girl, you're going wherever you want. You're going wherever you want in the United States of America. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where Elisa Keller lands. The other record, though. Keep throwing that toothpick. The other record, and this is actually a record, Logan Todorovich of Helena High, who is absolutely one of the outstanding track athletes, one of the outstanding overall athletes in the state of Montana. She goes 19-4 and a quarter 
in the long jump. That breaks the state record by an inch and a half. So congratulations to her. Uh, super impressive. That's outstanding. I mean, over 19 feet for a college jumper would be outstanding, let alone yes. a high school jumper. She's only uh, a junior in high school. Uh, your real-time results right now in AA. Helena High, the defending girls' state champions, led by the Todorovich sisters, Logan and Madison. Uh, they are out way in front of uh uh, Bozeman Gallatin, 74 points already mm. through, through nine scored events for the uh, Helena High girls. Gallatin second with 51. Missoula Hellgate third with 32 and a half. On the boys' side, Helena High, who was the Western AA champions, they and Bozeman are each tied at 32. The other record watch I gave you yesterday was in all the distance races, the, the 1,600 meters and the 3,200 meters for the boys. Uh, Weston Brown has been one of the great uh, two-milers in the entire country this year. He had a top-20 time in the 3,200 meters. If if he was to rerun that time at state, it would have been an all-class state record. Uh, He doesn't get it. He runs 9-11, though, uh, which is seven seconds off the state record, but still by far the best time on Montana soil so far this year. So uh, the 3,200-meter record for boys remains intact. And... uh, the other one that they were going to be flirting with is the 1,600 meters. We'll find out more about that tomorrow, so we'll let you know more about that on Monday. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Did you do track? Well, Jim Seabrook, by the way, rolling with us if you're just now joining us. Did you do track and field? You like baseball, right? I was, a, I was played baseball, uh, man. Sa- Same with me. I always played baseball all summer, so I never really – I love track. I love watching track. My brother was a phenomenal track athlete, so I love watching him compete in track. Uh but I, I never was a track guy. I tried it one year. Yeah. Um, because I was strongly encouraged by my, my football coach and track coach to um, do discus, uh, try discus, try shot put. And back then they were still throwing hammers, the old school hammer toss. And, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a stout, husky young man, a.k.a. chubby and fat. And, uh, but I was really athletic. And uh, I... I you know, you I, still are mostly mentally. Um, hey, that's that's the beauty of getting older, though, right? Absolutely, your body starts to go, but your mind becomes more steely. Yeah, and you know, and I, I tried to, I tried, and um, I threw the shot put. Shot put was actually fun. I did well with that, but um, I I miss hitting the ball, man. And sure. So that was that was the one and done. Uh, what do you think of this where you can only set state records at the state meet? Dude, that's bunk. It's So I get why they do it because so many track meets that are happening in the state of Montana, there's two things that are inconsistent. One, the timing mechanisms, especially if you're running state track or if you're running just regular season track meets in class C mm-hmm. downs, the timing just might not be very accurate. Mm-mm. There's also the elements, though. And only at the big meets do you have the wind gauge. You, you might be running with a 60-mile-per-hour wind at your back and have her. You know what I mean? And then if there's no wind gauge, then that's not fair. It's not equitable. So I get so, some sort of it. But I also think there needs to be, you know, like all-class state records that are set at state meets and then the other best of the best marks. There needs to be a record book to at least acknowledge that, right? It has to be acknowledged. I get the state records be happening at the state tournament. I love, you know, the the, the interchangeable aspects of that. However, um, giving credit where credit's due when feats are are you know, just displayed? Like, how do you not recognize, honor, sure. and respect that? Well, that's why we do what we do. We got to continue to make people remember. Let them know, Nuanas. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy how fast time goes and how slow time goes, just depending on how you're comprehending time. It seems as if it was a year ago, but only a second ago that we were sitting here last week at this exact same time memorializing Jim Brown, right? See, that's work time in real time, Isn't right? Isn't that crazy? Work at time. When you're at work, time goes real slow. When you're sure. not at work, <laughs> not thinking about it, it all goes too fast. It's just crazy because it seems like I was just hanging out with you just a second ago, but also it seems like forever since I've seen you. So, it's uh, only, But it's only been a week. It's only been a week. It's only been a week. Uh, and you've like traveled the country since, since the last time we were together. I, didn't, I, you, went, you, know, I mean, you went across the country, I should I didn't say. go. I went to Texas. Which well, is, that's across the country. I mean, that's a long ways away. It is. It, it, yeah, it, hey, it's you true. you got to always appreciate the the conveniences of modern life. It is Truth. really crazy that you went to and from somewhere that's thousands of miles away. True, and like you know, it probably, well, probably was not that inconvenient for you. No, it was actually one of the better flights out of in right. and out of Missoula I've ever had in the twenty five years of being here. And uh, no, it was it was a good time. Uh, I do not miss humidity, folks. Oh, buddy. If here's my thing: if it's eighty something degrees and almost ninety percent humidity in May. Guess where this dude won't be in August? Oh, boy. I know. They have those music festivals down there in, like, June and Jul- July. That sounds like death. Dude, I was I was, 
I was dying in May <laughs> for sure. But I will. I, <laughs> That's the first text on June seventh. He said he texts me. He says Austin is sweet. It is so freaking hot down here, <laughs> dude. And I'm from a hot and humid place <laughs> for sure. But I mean, this was like stepping in Mike Tyson's shoe after a fight. You know what I'm saying? It was that hot and humid. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it, Rajiv Subrook. Back from Austin, in back into Missoula. What'd you think of Austin? Uh, hey. I've said several times, I said it to Andrew right at the right before, you know, starting the show that if the wall of humidity wasn't eight feet thick in any direction in yeah. Austin, uh, I don't know, the the rider truck or the U-Haul truck might have been outside the, the <laughs> Mr. Mr. Rajim's house. Loved I loved it. You know what it was in and, and, and this this might actually start a Mecca or pilgrimage, is Austin reminded me of old Missoula. Hmm. Old Portland and old Seattle before mm. it blew up. Like there was just, it was a big city in in visual looking, but it felt like old school Missoula, man. For like, sure. Well, and that's the thing. You you know, you're from a giant city. You're from the biggest city in America. Hey, Nueva York. Yeah. Uh, Austin is is a certainly a sizable metropolitan area. Absolutely. But it's actually a small city. Austin only has 800. Only I'm saying quote unquote as somebody that's never lived in a town bigger than Missoula, but like. <laughs> But, but, you know, I mean, it's official. Let's look right now. I'm looking at uh, the uh, 964,000 is the official uh, population of, of Austin. Austin. So, I mean, they're, you know, that's that's and one that's eighth not- of the size of, of New York City. You know, I mean, you yeah. know, it's not that's not on the same level as Houston or whatever. So I think that your your observation. Exactly. Da- I mean, Dallas yeah. is a monstrous city compared to Austin. And that's what everyone was saying. They're like, if you want a city feel, then go to Dallas. Some even were saying San Antonio feels more like a city than I can Austin. See that, yeah. And I was like, guess where I'm not going? Any of those places. No, I'll sure. hang out in Austin. Have you ever been to any of those other places? I went to San Antonio for a Spurs game a oh, long cool. time nice. ago. And I went to Houston uh, for a game. Houston, I could do without personally. I'm, I will, uh, it's not for me. It's either. not for me, man. No disrespect to the Houstonites in the house. I like, totally understand why people. Live, I mean, I totally understand why people live there because there's there's great jobs there. It's really affordable to live. It's way more affordable than Missoula. Oh, it's close to the Gulf Coast. Yeah. Like, there's, I mean, for there's, the houses like that we have owned in Missoula, for that amount of money, you could get a huge house. Son, I won't Texas. even. Well, I did that with. I sat there with with my executive director who's on the trip with me, and I said, "We're just looking at these houses that are all being redone," and and I'm like. Why? Why is Missoula's market this askew For and, sure. and and bass backwards? And I like it was just ridiculous. But to make a short story long, great trip, yeah, amazing great. food, amazing service, uh, fashion. It was cool to see like different fashion again, like big quote unquote big city fashion. But it was just cool, man. It was a good trip. It made me miss Missoula. Made me miss faces like yours and. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad to be back. Off the toes, about to leave town again for the weekend. So, Well, uh, happy to have you back. Thank uh, you, sir. Nuwana's now on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, uh, and most days at least, and the ESPN MT app. <laughs> uh, last week we were talking about Jim Brown so and sad. his unfortunate passing, and then this week the, the news has been Tina Turner. Oh, you're a big man. Mu- you're a big music guy. You, you know, know this. Your family is very involved in the yes. music industry. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm sure Tina Turner was somebody of probably your parents' age that was – uh, incredibly uh, impactful and and iconic to this, folks of the, their age when you were growing up. Well, actually, to me, Tina Turner was a, a lot like um, James Brown and sure. Bo Diddley, where they actually uh, gapped, uh, closed the gap between my parents and grandparents. Because you got to think for sure, you know, and maybe even you too, right? And, and then and then me. So like when you have artists that transcend three generations, yeah. Because there was Ike and Tina, sure. and then there was Tina, and then there was like the Tina, reemergence. The right. reemergence the 80s of Tina, absolutely, of Tina Turner, for sure. And uh, you know, Tina, Tina was big in the house, and 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 Ike and Tina in particular with my grandparents, and then my parents were were pretty uh, big Ike, uh, not Ike fans, definitely not Ike fans, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but definitely big Tina Turner fans, especially during the eighties. And um, you know, sad to sad to see one of the great ones pass. Um, what I love more than the musical aspect and 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 uh, talent and acumen that Tina had was uh, was her resilience. Going back to Ike, what she dealt with at that time and how much was ignored and suppressed and repressed, and how she was able to channel that into her music. And then later, you know, in her own way, social politically, like Tina Turner is an icon, both inside the studio and out. And uh, what a what a what a sad passing. And and I hope that the younger generations can uh, actually go back and. Re- 
revisit some of her music and see how she influenced, like, you know, modern-day artists, the Beyonce Knowles of today, uh, the way she was shaking and grooving on that stage. Uh, a lot of the a lot, a lot of her uh, modern-day contemporaries took a lot out of her book. So um, the passing of an icon um, musically, socially, culturally, um, yeah, you know, keep 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 uh, keep raging, Tina. Keep raging, baby. Uh, life well lived. Eighty three years old, Tina Turner passes earlier uh, this week. The NBA, uh, interesting because the conference finals seemed like a dud, just because it seemed like they were both going to be sweeps. But then all of a sudden, the Celtics found new life, and uh, you know, the first win for the Celtics in Game Four. You think, okay, little professional pride, good for you. You know, you didn't get swept. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Game Two, they their second win, which occurred last night. They looked good, and uh, they did. All of a sudden, they looked like the team that was favored to win the NBA championship uh, coming into the the mm-hmm. final eight of this playoff bracket. And uh, I don't know where where are we at with the Celtics because I I find them unbelievably maddening to watch because I think that there's certain things, there's certain advantages that they have that no one else in the league has. They have two of the biggest slickest wings in the league, mm-hmm. and and in this league where you know pick and pop and stretching you out and you know everybody's switching. Having guys that can guard on the perimeter and can also shoot it from deep who are six seven like Jalen Brown and and uh, Jason Tatum are, that seems like it should be a huge advantage. But then sometimes the Celtics are so soft. They're so frustrating for me to watch. Does last night's win, though, change the narrative of this series? What do you think of this? I mean, four days ago we thought the Celtics were dead in the water. They have a little bit more hope now, I think. I think they have a little bit more hope. I think I think more than them not playing up to their uh, abilities, it was more Jimmy Butler and crew where they were just they were hot. They were coming out of that series. They were ready. They were just, I think, more physically ready, mentally ready, and just ready overall. Um, and Boston was like, wait a second, we're not used to being in this situation. And they woke up. I like I like what you said. As talented and as athletic and as fun as the Celtics are to, 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 to watch, they are soft. They are soft. Like, I, 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 you know, sometimes... And so then let me ask you this. Yeah. This core of guys, Tatum, Brown, Horford, Marcus Smart... This team has been in the Eastern Conference Finals all but one of the last five years. Mm -hmm. But they've only been in the Finals once. Mm -hmm. And to me, the determining factor of what got them over the top was Ime Udoka, because Ime Udoka's not soft. That's why I'm so wondering about Joe Mazzula. He's a great offensive coach. He doesn't make good defensive adjustments. They have struggled to find their identity because I think they actually can bully teams more when they play a defensive style, but they're built around these two offensively oriented guys. It's just interesting, but do you think Odoka was the, you know, you're right. We disagree. They are soft. Was Odoka the thing that put them over the top from a toughness standpoint last year? A lot of times teams in their own way will mirror parts of who their coach is. And totally. this, when I look at them defensively with two different coaching staffs with eerily similar rosters, dude, they're soft. I mean, and not to say that this coach isn't, he's just not the same. And he doesn't have that edge. And I don't mean edge to be like a bad boy or a jerk or a bully, but an edge to be like, look, man, I'm here for a reason. And I'm not, I'm not letting you take this away from me. Like, you don't get to tread on this. And I right. just, I think, uh, I like what you said. It's not so much that they're soft. Their identity is lacking, which then I think by proxy makes them look soft. Uh, when you don't, when a person lacks identity, they, they are easily manipulated. They are easily controlled or they're soft in, in, in the realm that you're speaking of. And in this case, the Celtics definitely lack identity, but they found part of their identity and character back in the, in the last game for sure. And uh, I just like it because it extends basketball <laughs> that much further. For sure. No, that, that was going to be the most depressing part about this, regardless of what your rooting interest is, if both conference finals were sweeps, then there was going to be, I think, 15 days where there was no games. So at least this gets the rhythm of at least every other night. Dude, I'm not ready to watch on. bowling that much on ESPN. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. So um, last question here. We'll come back yeah, to that yeah. in hour shoot, number shoot. two. Um, do you agree or disagree that the winner of Game 6 is going to win the series. In other words, if the, if Miami wins Game 6, the series is over. That's an obvious part of it. But if Boston wins Game 6, do they also inevitably then win Game 7? Absolutely. There's just... there's just they, that The Heat have to close the, the out. Heat have to, the Heat has... If it goes back to Game 7 in Boston with I'm, I'm going the with Celtics Boston. I'm going with three, Boston. Right? Exactly. Absolutely. Why didn't we do that on Smart or Dumb? Which, by the way, <laughs> several friends have requested that that become a permanent fixture. Smart or Dumb.
dumb. It was dumb to not have it. That would have been a good smart dumb. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll figure out a way to re-replicate it because I actually do have some ideas. I think Jeff and, and Andrew could write us some some uh, bold statements that then we argue about whether they're smart <laughs> or dumb. So maybe we'll uh, we'll return to that. Yes, sir. Uh, next week, a little S and D. The um, state championships for a variety of different high school sports rolling on. I gave you the team scores from the uh, AA meet, uh, which is taking place in Butte. Mm. That also is then home to the Class B meet uh, currently um, in the Mining City. And so here's your team scores for Class B. On the boys' side, Glasgow out in front, 39 points. 20 points for Huntley Project. And then Jefferson and Loyola are tied for third at 18 points. Uh, only six events scored in Class B as opposed to nine in AA. Uh, girls Class B, Huntley Project, narrowly ahead of Columbus, 26-24, and then uh, Big Timber and Conrad each tied at uh, 16. What is now ESPN Radio. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a break, and then we're going to keep on rapping. I want to ask you about DeAndre Hopkins, who got cut today. I want to ask you about the Stanley Cup playoffs and why Despite the excitement that exists in the sport of hockey, they just they just can't captivate me, and I just don't know why. And I also want to ask you about Brooks Kepka. Plus, we have continued results from around the wide world of high school sports. All of it next. Don't change the dial. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. One, two, three. is now on ESPN Radio. This is really, I think, his favorite. I think, I think that that is your actually favorite group, right? Tribe? Yeah. Of all time? Is that is that No, it? De La Soul. But De La Soul, yeah, we always but go back and forth. Tri- but tribe's tribe's up there, there. for sure. Tribe, tribe is top five, man, without a doubt. For sure. You've taught me so much about Tribe Called Quest. I, oh, I, I liked Tribe Called Quest before we became friends, but you've taken it to a whole new level. They are so unbelievably good. We are uh, intermittently, while we're talking sports here on Nuanas Now, going round and round when it comes to the history of hip-hop as well, because uh, this man is an encyclopedia of that, Rajim Seabrook. Joining us here uh, in studio, like we do most Fridays this time of year, 50th anniversary of of hip hop this August, uh, baby, in America, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. So today, I just want to have a little lesson about the the different regionalities of hip hop. I think that's very interesting. It originated where you're from uh, Mm -hmm. in the Northeast, mostly in New York City, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that's what I mean. Tribe Called Quest is one of the sort of pioneers, right? I mean, they they were like late '80s, but they were they were late '80s. uh, They were pioneers in a variety of ways. I'll just let you take the floor. They were pioneers. Thank you, sir. They were pioneers in their own right. By um, they were one of the first and early groups that kind of veered away from the funk soul. Uh, right. of the James Brown loops and, and music of that era and started using classical jazz samples. Like if you listen to some of the, the samples that are used by Tribe Called Quest, Jungle Brothers, anything off the native tongue uh, uh, f- uh, family tree of hip hop, it was very jazz centric. Sure. Um, and, and jazz centric to guys like Miles Davis, John Coltrane, um, Roy Ayers, like, you know, classical jazz guys uh and 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 what it did was it gave a birth to a different nation because from tribe called quest you get the far size you get the most defs you get the lupe fiascos right. you get the commons to some extent you get the kanye wests and 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 uh the lauren hills the fujis of the world and uh it was uh, pioneers in the realm of taking different 
aspects of of historically black music and overlapping it into the fledgling music known as hip hop and rap of 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 yesteryear. So pioneers in that way, but also lyrically too, though, right? Lyrically too, but also their cadence. It was it so was, many of the guys from that, so many of the artists, I should say, and groups or individual MCs from that time and from the from the East Coast. Had so much more of a. It was a. It was. Punchy, it was, it was right? called the three. It was called the. I was. I'm. You. I love you. I'm gonna kiss your forehead. It was called the three hit punch. Like when you yeah. listen to Run DMC. Totally. You know, it's boom, one, boom, two, boom. three. Yeah. One, two, three. BC Boys. BC Boys B- is a little bit like that too. BC Boys is, was a little bit like that, but if you listen to their flow, it's all poetry in it, of yeah. itself. They were more in the limerick style. Oh, if you very listen, good. If, yeah. if, you, if you go to the limerick um, connotation, uh, um, the, the 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 syncopation is more akin yeah, to yeah. Lear, is lyric is more akin to a right. limerick than it is to the doom, doom, tap. Right. Uh, Public uh, Enemy was like the first one to really talk about political things, but also in a different style. Tribe Called Quest has like this intellectuality to it while also having this smooth flow to it. Right. And your jazz parallel, I think, is so good. It actually it mirrored this type of music, right. but it also veered away from the the more braggadocious stages of, of hip-hop of trying to prove. This was more, you know, some may label it more intellectual. Um, it yeah, was, it right. was like you actually had to listen to the words and the lyrics, and it wasn't just a hook or 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 a party anthem it was like these guys were saying things and they were saying it from a very afrocentric lens sure like it wasn't about gold it wasn't about sneakers it was about the history it was about the culture and showing a different side of 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 inner city culture black culture overall and then um um, things within. So, yeah, Tribe Called Quest, definitely pioneers um, from Queens. Uh, you know, a lot of the hip-hop is attributed to, like, New York, Manhattan, Uptown, the Bronx, sure. or Brooklyn, but, right. you know, these boys were from, from Linden Boulevard out there out there in the 718, so uh, definitely different branch. Um, and then, again, the, 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 the fruit that came off of their limb of uh, hip-hop was the native tongue, so... You, Without Tribe Called Quest, you don't get a Busta Rhymes, ladies For and sure. gentlemen. Right, right. Uh, you, so many influences. So many. You actually. I you, mean, Nas is probably an extension of it not, a little bit. Not really. I mean, there's some overlap, but I, I go in a different way. You, we don't have a Queen Latifah, believe sure. it or not. Yeah, yeah. Like she was out on her own, but the Buddy album gave her a different platform to be engaged uh, musically. So, you know, uh, Black Sheep was another one. Remember, totally. you can get with this, or you can get with that. Like For sure. all that stuff that spawned off, and then again, we're going to more. Modern day artists, the most deaths, the commons, the Lupe fiascos, Code of the Friends, you know, all all of those types of artists. So, uh, yeah, pioneers in their own, thirty years strong in the game. Uh, Q Tip is. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Five Dogs sadly passed away a couple of years ago. And then Ali Shaheed Muhammad, one of the best producers to ever to graze a hip hop or rap uh, album or compilation. So, yeah, there it is. East, Northeast Coast Hip Hop 101, ladies and gentlemen. Time now for our Garden City Spotlight, where we highlight some of the best of the best from around the city of Missoula, uh, as we always go around the state of Montana every day here on Nuanas Now. Garden City Spotlight, proudly presented by Missoula Electric Co-op. It's uh, it's nice outside. You're going to be playing in the parks. Make sure your kids, especially the little ones, they know about the utility boxes. They're going to be sitting there in the parks. You don't want to be messing around with those. You don't want the kids mm. playing on them. So Garden City Spotlight... Uh, Missoula Electric Co-op always wants to remind you to, to make sure your kids know and uh, be safe out there. First, when it comes to um, high, high school track and field, got a couple state champions from here in the uh, city of Missoula. Uh, Alex Shields of Missoula Hellgate, he throws 53 feet, 10 and a quarter inches. So he's, he's your double-A champion in the shot put. Nice job. Uh, Joey Sandberg of Missoula Big Sky, he places second in the pole vault, 14 feet, 6 inches. That's a big jump. That's there. huge. What it was first, if that no, was second. Well, so they, they, it, was, it came down to misses. Those, two okay, guys okay, went 14 okay, 6. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so a tough way to lose for Joey Sandberg, but also really, I mean, that, an, an outstanding mark. Yes. Uh, Hannah Moses of Missoula Hellgate, she wins the oh, pole yeah. vault in 11 9. Ooh. And uh, then Jameson Malloy, who's a Hellgate sophomore, mm-hmm. she was second in the. Uh, Excuse me. No, she wins the uh, the uh, 3200 meters, the two mile in 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Um, I run that in 11 days and 11 <laughs> hours. I always think that, right? The, from the NCAA West Regional, the 10K was brutal the last uh, two evenings. Not only because it's you know you're basically sprinting 10,000 meters against the fastest people in the world, but the races didn't even start till 10:15 at night. 
for both the men's 10K on Wednesday and the women's 10K uh, last night. And so, you know, when you talk, it's a 30-minute race. So by the time this thing gets over, it's 10.45. Truly amazing. It's truly a miracle I was even able to stay up for that. But the 10K was worth watching if you follow Montana track and field. A pair of Montana State Bobcats headed to nationals. Ben Perrin, the two-time defending Big Sky champion in the 10K, he runs 28 minutes, 25 seconds and change, take 11th to advance to nationals. And Camilla Noe of the Montana State women's track team, uh, she runs 32 minutes, 40.17 seconds. So both of them going to nationals. Pretty cool story. Uh, Perrin is from Kalispell. Noe is from Bozeman. So a couple local kids uh, that are running there for the Cats uh, done good. So pretty darn uh, cool for them going to the national championships. That's something that uh, people won't forget anytime soon. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Um, high school softball in terms of the Garden City. Missoula Big Sky. Uh has been ripping the cover off the ball all year long, and they have continued to do that at the state tournament. First round, they blast Belgrade 15-5. to Another Missoula score from that first round yesterday. Sentinel beats Bozeman 10-5. to uh, This Class AA tournament, by the way, being played in Helena. Big Sky then loses to uh, Kalispell Glacier, who's the top seed out of the West. But the Eagles bounce back in a big way. They drill Helena Capital in a loser-out game 21-9. to I was looking at the scheduling. Big Sky scored over 20 runs six times this year. They've scored over 30 twice. 30 in a high school softball game. Unbelievable. Dude, the Baltimore Orioles don't <laughs> score that many points. I mean, dude, the Baltimore Ravens don't even score that many points. Truth. <laughs> Facts. Um, so those are your Missoula high school scores right now. Uh, Sentinel, by the way, lost to Glacier 9-5. to But the Spartans are still alive. Glacier then into the undefeated semifinal. Come on, girls. And... Uh, they await, or they will play uh, Helena High, who beat Billings West. So, uh, an all Western undefeated semifinal. The winner of that one will be in the state championship and uh, not have a loss yet, while somebody else will have to play their way out of the losers bracket back into that state championship. So, Big Sky remains alive. Sentinel remains alive. Um, and then in the uh, almost Garden City, Frenchtown won their first round uh, game at the Class A state tournament, eleven to one over Livingston. But then Frenchtown gets beat 10 nothing by Billing Central. That's a rematch of last year's Class A state championship game, which was won by Frenchtown. Uh, but Central gets revenge 10-0. Uh, and Frenchtown's going to try to figure out a, a way to hang into this thing. We'll get you a loser-out score here uh, in just a little while. And then in the, uh, the BC, just up the way, Florence Carlton, they lose 9-8 to to Huntley Project. And then they lose 5-2 to um the Columbus Absorkey Park City Co-op. So Florence, who's won 12 out of the 22 ever state BC titles in high school softball, goes 0-2, and they are out. Uh, so that's uh, certainly the surprise so far uh, of the uh, the high school uh, softball tournaments that are ongoing mm. uh, here in the state of Montana. Our Garden City Spotlight presented by Missoula Electric Co-op. Missoula Electric Co-op. Been contributing to Western Montana for more than 60 years. Who is the last American folk hero? We shall discuss. Jeff Perlman wrote a 500-page book saying it's Bo Jackson. I want to get Rajim's thoughts. That's next. See you right here. ESPN Radio. Is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for being here. Coulter Nuanas, Rajim Seabrook, Yo. kicking it with you here uh, on your Friday. Part high school uh, state championship updates, part uh, wide-ranging sports conversation, and part history of hip-hop uh, here on this Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, outcast. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we were just talking about the uh, last segment about the, uh, the sort of the the origins of of hip hop in in New York City on the East Coast, and then sort of the first evolution of it uh, centered upon uh, the tribe called uh, a tribe called Quest and some of the other artists of like maybe like the late '80s, early '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Outkast, though, certainly pioneers in their own right because they were the first sort of Southern rap group to rise to prominence, or one of the first, and. Uh, their ability to reinvent themselves also, like they put 
the Southern rap on the map from a pop perspective, quote unquote, but then they also reinvented themselves and then became crossover famous with speaker box love below. And then almost even became a cliche of themselves at one point. And then people like decided they didn't like them, but then they've come back around and just to me, they're one of the most brilliant uh, rap groups of all time. Uh, what I loved about outcast was, and I love what you said from the, from a Southern perspective for a while, you know, hip hop was, it was all about the Northeast. Sure. And then it was about, basically Southern Cal and parts of the Southwest. Then it bounced back, you know, and started coming out of places like Florida, like, um, uh, you know, the Atlantas of the world, the DCs, and it had its own different flair. Um, you can definitely hear it in their twang and their accents, but also just the things that they're referencing. It's about country life. It's about Southern living. Sure. You know, yeah. so it's it's about a different frame of, of reference culturally and socially. What was going on down South wasn't happening in the Bay. What was going on down South wasn't happening up in the projects in the Bronx. So there was such a different feel. What I loved about Outkast was Outkast was both country and big city. Right. Like, they were almost the Tribe Called Quest of the South. Like, Fife was very different, more sports-oriented and more, like, almost tongue-in-cheek, whereas Q-Tip was a bit more philosophical and, 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 and cranial. Uh, same thing with Andre and and, and Big Boy, uh, both eccentric and eclectic to themselves, but um, Andre was definitely more like Bootsy Collins in, in the, in the uh, George Clinton era, just kind of being out there, and Big Boy was definitely more connected to the streets and and of 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 his area so you have this great like overlapping intersectionality of funky and fresh um way out there and grounded so outcast almost re rewrote some aspects of hip-hop especially with their crossover appeal into pop music later on movies and then being able to stay a collective duo, but have very different individualized styles, which were complementary sometimes and at other times conflictual. Man, it's just so good. It's just so interesting. I made this entire outline. We've skipped most of it because we're going to get to a lot of it in hour number two. <laughs> but I, do, I want to talk some golf briefly yeah, because we actually haven't talked that. a bunch of about this yet because I wanted to have sort of a sounding board. I've sort of stated my opinion on this already, but I want to have more of a conversation about it. Uh, first of all, uh, this up, upcoming golf uh Conversation brought to us by our great friends at Canyon River Golf Club. Swing. Canyon River, uh, not only uh, is it one of the most well-manicured public courses in the state of Montana, but they also they rebuilt a couple of the sand traps. And all the sand traps, which are the, the big hazard within this course, 70-plus uh, bunkers, they got new, fresh, great sand in them. If you're a golfer, you'd, if you're not a golfer, you're like, why does that matter? Who cares? If you are a golfer, you know why this is so important, being able to hit it out of the sand and have the sand be nice and fluffy and soft. It just makes the course way more playable. So uh, Cade River continues to uh, progress and upgrade uh, all of their fine facility out there uh, in East Missoula. Mm. Brooks Kepka won the uh, PGA Championship. When the Live Tour first started, and then they first started uh, luring away some of the biggest stars in golf from the PGA Tour, th there became almost this instantaneous uh, good versus evil, the villains versus the bad guys. And then there was this uh, span of time where it was assumed that most of the guys that jumped to the Live would not be able to play in PGA events, specifically the majors. But then three out of the four majors decided, no, we are not PGA-sponsored deals. We can invite whoever we want. And so they invited the best of the best from the live. Then the PGA Championship caved, and they also did that. And so there was this whole overblown thing about how all these guys that went to the live are never going to be able to win the Masters again. And then all those guys are playing in the Masters. There's a lot of depth to this this deal. It's not just a competing golf league, which in itself, having a competing professional sports league that's so viable and taking such big stars so uh, rapidly is certainly um, a, a new horizon for professional sports in America. But then the second part of this is just where the money's coming from and why that makes these guys controversial. So that, I guess the, the question, Rajim, is that People were sitting here thinking, okay, if a live guy was to win a major, this is going to, uh, it's going to be a bad thing, I guess, is what the, the, the broad premise would be. Where are we at with this? How much have you thought about this? Do you have any opinions on this? I think, you know, let's, let's, 
zoom out to zoom back in. Let's go back to when it was in its origins. I think anything that is a threat to PGA, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL is automatically going to be villainized. How much? So there's automatically any any threat to any long-standing institution. Sure. I don't care what it is; it's a threat. If something came out and wowed the socks to take McDonald's out of the equation in a fast food burger market, that whatever that is would be vilified, sometimes and, weaponized and demonized. And, and what if that? What if that new com- competition, whether it's in fast food or or sports, right. is funded? By basically the Saudi Arabian royal family. Well, that's that was the other thing was if if this live golf whatever is promoted and produced and published here in America, we're not even having this conversation. It was polar. I feel that it was polarized due to where it came from, who it was coming from, and where the money is generated in and around. It's a, it's almost like low hanging fruit to 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 do that, and the reactions were visceral. Like all of a sudden, it was it was it was a, it was an issue in a situation because it wasn't done here. It was an issue in a situation because of the faces helping promote it didn't look like you know our neighbors here. And that's and if you don't like it, show 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 me something to debate it. That's the thing that's interesting to me is is on on one hand, I understand the controversy behind where the money is coming from to fund both the live and the F one. The the, the people that are funding this, uh, there's been a whole bunch of terrible human rights violations. There's been murder. I mean, there's the murder of the journalist right. in Saudi Arabia. Um, but then there's also the whole incredibly controversial concept of sports washing. Well, well can we? Can I don't mean to interject. The, the weird thing about the whole golfing community is like, let's those who live in glass houses should never throw stones, right? Sure. We had golf in America and in, in its institutions was one of the most sexist and racist institutions historically in this country. No, for and sure. I think, I think that's a totally different conversation, though. But, because- but, but hold on, I'm going to tie it back in. I'm going to tie it back in because the monies that came from some of these agencies that help promote golf were steeped into into monies that came uh, uh, out of uh, 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 old plantation money, old wealth money, sure. um, money that transcended that in its origins wasn't the healthiest like some of this oil money. So uh, right. before you poke and prod and say where it's coming from, let's back up the bus and give the histrionics of golf here where some of that money wasn't as clean as some of this live money either. It's a great, it's a great point. Rajiv Seabrook here on Duana's Now ESPN Radio because that's where I was going to come back around to as well is that on one hand, I can see the controversy over uh, the 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 government and the the source of the money, and but then there's also the the omnipresent question of why. Why is the Saudi Arabian royal family buying Western sports entities? Is it even about sports? Then you get into the the weeds of the the sports washing and what all that means. But to bring it all the way back around and to totally reaffirm what you just said. While I understand why that's controversial, I also, like you just said, you can't cast stones at a glass house because I think if you traced the origin point of the money for a variety of professional Ooh. sports across the globe, you won't like you the might sources not, of you origin. You might not like a lot of it, and you might not like the reasons that those, yeah. you, know, you know, that those teams are owned by who they're owned by. Well, I, I agree. So let's let's transition to your latter uh, your latter question of uh, you know opinion one way or other about sports washing. Before we get into that, let's just give people. A working definition of what sports washing is. It's not a common term. You don't hear it every day. And my definition is it's the practice of individuals, groups, corporations, or governments using sports to improve reputations tarnished by that individual's wrongdoing. That's right. Right? right. Did I I give you the Webster's? So so the the, the number one example of this over the last couple years is not actually the live tour. It's the it's the Formula One tour. Totally. This exact same conglomeration of, of funders bought the Formula One tour which in itself would is uh, you know, newsworthy, but then they also basically paid for what was uh, a completely promotional Netflix series to make characters out of the Formula One drivers and really drive the popularity of Formula One. Right. That's all fine and good, but then the question is, what is it that they're trying to overshadow or what do they not want you to pay attention to? The other question from a, a strictly nationalistic standpoint, an American standpoint, is... If they can buy sports leagues, what else can they buy? How would that impact the globalization of, of our of our domestic economy, I guess? Well, see, I, I think, again, we need to zoom out and stop looking into such secular ways of thinking and, see, and looking at things. 
Sports washing happens all the time. Sure. Okay? Right. It just happens in different forms and in different guises. When someone blows out of the NBA because they're an idiot. Right. Or they are, you know, starting to become a, a, a career criminal or a crimi- deviant, whatever you want to use to describe a person. All of a sudden, you know what they're doing? They're winning championships in China. Right? Sure, right. So, like, the redemption factor to go elsewhere to continue playing your sport to be compensated, whether it's golf, basketball, or football. You know, I'm not trying to make it any about any one uh, athletic circle. That person is allowed to go play elsewhere despite their wrongdoing and tarnish because they can't do it here for the NBA, so to say. I'm just kind of stuck on that. Because I look at the amount of morons who have been through the NBA, who have made poor choices, uh, lawfully and unlawfully, that then get to go resurrect a career somewhere else. Sure. So there is there a form of sports washing that has already happened. We just don't talk about that. Yeah, the, the rise of F1 and then the origin of Live coincided with the murder of an American journalist in Saudi Arabia that was very politically driven. Mm-hmm. And I think the uh, the proximity of those events, I think, are what drove people towards pinning sports washing on right. specifically the, the origin of the live and, and the sort of prominent rise of, of F1. And uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I guess... Where I settle upon this, and, and maybe this is just a uh, you know closed-minded American view, is <laughs> is that regardless if it's sports washing or not, there's nothing I can do about it. And I really enjoy Truth. I really enjoy watching Brooks Kepka play golf. And I don't think that he went to the Live Tour because he wants to support some sort of foreign political agenda. I think he went to the Live Tour because they paid him a hell of a lot of money, straight cash, homie. <laughs> and I think this is the same thing for it's Dustin mo- Johnson. It's money. And I think a lot of people are trying to vilify Absolutely. these guys because they're just like, oh, well, they're doing. The, you know, this all came from Phil Mickelson because he was the first guy to jump to the Live, and in the infamous and now infamous book about Phil Mickelson by an independent journalist. He's quoted as saying, like, I know the guys that are starting to live did a whole bunch of bad stuff, and I know that they murdered people, and I don't care. And that's why he got in so much hot water. But that's sort of the way that this all came about. I don't know what we can do about it. And as you said, I think if we trace the origin points or the history of a lot of different uh, sports all over the world, I think we would uh, we maybe be disappointed where the where the money comes from. Oh, without without a doubt. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. Uh, I promise we're going to have way more fun in hour number two. We will talk DeAndre Hopkins. We'll talk Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll talk some more NBA. We'll talk some NFL. We'll talk some Parks and Rec. We'll talk some American folk heroes. And, of course, we'll talk state championships for softball and track and field. All of it next. Keep it right here. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 